Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in California, where technology meets entertainment. I'm sitting here looking out the studio window of the whole west side of LA. It's a beautiful day, really gorgeous. And uh, outside my office um, window, I have a spa that's about 10 foot by 7 foot, which is bubbling away, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. But we're broadcasting from the centre of Silicon Beach, which is the third most important centre in the world for entrepreneurs, incubators and accelerators. And in case you're interested in what the first two are, the first one is obviously Silicon Valley and the second one is Tel Aviv. But um, we here in Silicon Beach are number three. Now, Apple has FaceTime. Microsoft has Skype. Now, Google has a new app called Duo, and Duo was especially designed for mobiles. It's available in iOS and Android, and uh, Google Hangouts already supports video calling, but Google's Duo makes the experience simpler and easier. We've just been playing around, actually, with an app called Quickie, which uh, I'm going to talk about in a couple of weeks, but it is terrific. You can record record a message and then have a celebrity or your family or anybody record the answer and the question and answer appear essentially on one screen like you're both talking to each other simultaneously. It's great. It's a really great app. It's called quickie um you can get it um in the states and everywhere else in the world really go to k-w-i-c-k-i-e quickie and uh i had breakfast with one of the principals this morning very enjoyable and um it is a great product now duo let's get back to duo um duo automatically activates the front-facing camera. So your face is the first thing you see when you're opening the app. Now, below this, Duo keeps a list of your recent calls alongside the video calling button, allowing you to start a new conversation. The app settings and support options, they're really accessible. All you have to do is tap the upper right corner and then Duo sifts through your contacts to find friends and family who also have the app and provides an option to invite others. The simplicity makes it easy to get right into a video call without having to go through menus and settings and all that stuff. And the feature that Google calls Knock Knock, who's there, lets the recipient see a live video of the caller before answering. It only works with numbers saved in your contacts, so it's impossible for strangers to reach you through Knock Knock. While duo simplicity is what makes it appealing, a future addition could be to translate speech in real time when chatting with someone in a different language, a bit like what Skype does. Google says also that it hasn't ruled out the possibility of bringing duo to the desktop, but right at the moment it's focusing on mobile. So overall, duo is simple and enjoyable video calling app that's very useful for families, kids and others that might not be very tech savvy. Duo makes it easy for people to quickly set up a video call on their phone. Now, it's only been out a few days and it's already the most downloaded free app in the Google Play Store, followed by Facebook Messenger and Pokemon Go, then Facebook, Snapchat and YouTube Music complete the the first six. So try that, Google Duo, really simple. I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Trust me, it's really simple. 
2016 is the year of the marketer, and I think we'll see marketing come back to the forefront of business because it's essential to capture and engage customers' attention in order to sell them stuff. So the next generation of um, USB is making its debut this month, and it's a big step forward. USB-C is so much more versatile than existing ports and will replace most of them. It doesn't just handle USB devices like memory sticks and external hard drives. It can also handle high-resolution video, Ethernet data, and it carries power in and out all through the one um, port. Therefore, it can be used to charge a computer or for the computer to charge a device plugged into it. Even more amazing, a single port can do all of these things simultaneously, so you only need one port in your computer. So starting later this year, PC laptops will start to include USB-C ports alongside traditional USB ports, and then the other ports will start to disappear until USB-C is the only one left. Apple's new 12-inch MacBook has one port and only one, a USB-C port, no old-style USB port, no power port, no video out, just a single USB-C port. And don't forget, it can do everything simultaneously with the one port. Google's next to get on board with two USB-C ports, including on its new Chromebook Pixel, and it also includes two standard US ports so that you can get used to using those before you screw up on the USB-Cs. Now, the USB-C will become standard, and uh, when we get over all the angst of needing an adapter for old devices, it should be much easier to operate. A standard port for charging a computer means it won't be a crisis to lose the proprietary charges that now come with our laptops. All of those multitude of charges that you've got to pay extra for, every one of them's got a unique connector. You can't use anything to do anything. And uh, instead, we just have one port. We'll swap power adapters and buy them inexpensively just as we do with Android phones. So the USB-C port, it's thinner than a conventional USB port, but the great thing about it is it's reversible. What drives me nuts is trying to put the USB port in and you've got to turn around the other way because it'll only go in one way. That, I know it's a little thing, but I think it's a pain in the butt. So good news, never again will you have to flip a USB cable for it to fit correctly. That's great. That is going to lower my stress dramatically, take me off the headache tablets, and probably extend my lifespan by 10 years. That's how important that is. I love it. But this is just another step along a very long road. We started off, remember, we had floppy drives. Remember them? Bloody floppy drives. Who the hell thought of that? Then you'll have to have laptops had cd and then dvd drives what happened to them do you ever notice they just disappeared one day <laughs> they were gone and a long time ago laptops had old-fashioned parallel printer ports and perhaps even serial ports remember them another pain in the butt and it was common until recently for laptops to have an ethernet port most laptops had blue vga connectors the ones with three rows of pins, remember those? God, blimey. Now the video out is just as likely to be HDMI or a display port. But even your USB ports have evolved. The latest USB 3 port is much faster than the USB 2 port. And most laptops have at least one USB 3 and one or two USB 2 but because no one's ever pointed it out to you, you've likely been getting much slower performance from your USB sticks and external drive because you're plugged into one into the wrong port. You change the port around and your stuff will transfer much more quickly. Now, there's something you didn't know, something I didn't know either. They're sneaky bastards, these people that make these things, aren't they? They do it and they don't tell you. 
Anyway, in other words, there's nothing new about ports coming and going, but the USB-C means that you have to buy an adapter or two. That's cool. Then move along. It's business as usual, but much simpler. Now, a key issue for marketers is the rapidly changing digital technology. When you think about it, Uber's the world's biggest car company. They don't own a car. Amazon's the world's biggest retailer, but it doesn't have a shop. Airbnb is the world's largest accommodation chain, but it doesn't even own a bed. The digital disruptor is the competition to every single brick and mortar business. Now, many companies focus on their own digitization and their infrastructure, their process, their business model. They keep tweaking it, bringing in new technology. But that's only important insofar as what it allows you to do next. We're now talking about what we're calling a cognitive era or a thinking era. The opportunity is data, but it's really about data analytics. Cybercrime is also a huge risk for business, and being the subject of a high-profile data breach can do serious damage to your reputation. And reputation is not about advertising. You can't fix your reputation with advertising. Your brand's made up of every single interaction that's happening, every user experience. So every time we do something to upset the customer or have a problem we don't fix quick enough, we're eroding our brand and no amount of advertising is going to fix that. Companies are also becoming more interconnected both in the broader ecosystem. For example, Apple's a big player in the cloud space but rents capacity on demand from other services servers and also internally. Cross-discipline working will become the norm. It's becoming the norm. Companies are realising that they can't do things in isolation. I was just talking to a guy a little while ago in Australia and he was saying the same thing. You know, all these, um, we're talking about startups, all these startups are out there trying to do their own thing and not collaborating and trying to do things in isolation. They're afraid other people are going to try and pinch their idea. Um, But we really need to think first about working with others rather than trying to do everything ourselves. I know that the um, um, incubators and and, um, accelerators often work together and have – but the – the um, startup areas that, that provide legal advice to everybody and accounting advice to everybody and have people working cross-pollinating on things, <laughs> excuse me, that's the way to go. So we need to think about working with others rather than trying to do everything ourselves. We can't do it. Improving internal collaboration within teams and divisions is required to better adapt to change. The people who know this best are Google. They're fantastic at it. I mean, they really understand this stuff. Now, gaining a more holistic view of a customer, it's a key driver for marketers who realise that they need to simplify their brand experience. I'm just going to have a cup of tea because my throat's itching. Hang on. Don't mind the slurping. Ah, good. Offering the indicator interconnected experience across all consumer touch points, there's got to be a great competitive advantage. So our biggest job of mar- as marketers is to make that user experience totally seamless, intuitive and less complex than it is at the moment. The key is to anticipate what the customer needs before they even have to ask you. Another major challenge is the need to recruit, develop And retain really great, really smart people who have business. Retaining them is very hard because there's so many options now. And um, and millennials and, and Zs, you know, they don't feel like they need to stay at a company for so many years. They, they want to get in, learn, and if the opportunities don't present themselves, they'll get out. So how do we keep on top of the right structure 
and upskill our staff so that they'll stay. In the past, you get hired because of what you knew or who you knew. Today, you get hired because of what you're willing to learn. And then hopefully, you um, don't want to go anywhere else. You get the opportunities where you are. Now, make sure you subscribe to my daily newsletter. It's sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every day. It's a 30-second read. You can read the whole thing in 30 seconds, and it's information that is really, 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 really important for you to know. So it comes, the heading is um, what you need to know today in 30 seconds or something like that, and uh, I guarantee you that you can read it, 30 seconds, and you will be enlightened. And it's what every entrepreneur or business executive needs to keep up to date. So if you go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com, then uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter and I think you'll find it really worthwhile. Give it a shot for a couple of weeks and if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. But if you do like it, send valuable bottles of wine. On my website, bobpritchard.com, you'll see a new page called the Bob Pritchard Success. Success? <laughs> I'll start again. On my website, bobpritchard.com, you'll see a new page called the Bob Pritchard Success Pathway. Now, this is designed to assist international and domestic entrepreneurs to access uh, contacts, expertise, potential partners, funding and all that, and we've um, established some great global partnerships. So um, go to the website, bobpritchard.com, and uh, look at Success Pathway, and we'll show you how to become successful in the United States and elsewhere. Now, my guest today is a really, really interesting guy. This guy has his, – his CV is unbelievable. He's done – extraordinary things and his name is Joe Resnick. He leads major international projects in China, South America, Europe and the USA. He collaborated with NASA to develop new environmentally friendly products to clean up oil spills. Um, Dr. Resnick was nominated by colleagues in 2013 and 2014 for both the Tyler Prize for Environmental Achievement and short-lifted, short-lifted, short-listed as a semi-finalist for the St Andrews Prize for the Environment. He's one hell of a guy, got a hell of a resume, and he's a really good guy. Um, I really like him. I find him um, charming and interesting, and he's all of those things. And I'll be back with Joe Resnick's great story immediately after this short break on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. You know, over the last five years and a bit, we've given you insights into the lives of somewhere around 300 of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked about 
what it is they do, and we've tried to find out what it is that makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business, and as we know, somewhere around 95% of all businesses fail, so that's testament to how hard it is, and uh, we all need all the help that we can get. And that's why it's so important and why I stress on the show all the time, you need mentors, people that have been there, done that, uh, that can give you advice to stop you falling into some of the obvious traps that are out there. You also should, of course, should go out and buy um, books on how successful people have succeeded. There's literally millions of them and uh, read those and listen to interviews and, and you'll be much better placed to be successful. Now everybody in business, doesn't matter what you do, faces the same challenges. You know everybody thinks that their product's going to have people beating a path to their door. Well let me tell you, that doesn't happen. Most entrepreneurs are experts at what they do but the major reason that majority of businesses fail is because they have no real business skills and uh, having a good product is only a very small part of being successful. So that's why it's so critical that they follow, observe and listen to those who have overcome the challenges that we all face. Now, Dr. Joseph Resnick leads major international projects in China, South America, Europe and the USA for uh, Manco. He earned the Doctor of Philosophy degree from the Union Institute and University based on his research in collaboration with NASA to develop new environmentally friendly products to clean up oil spills. That work led to development and commercialization of an arsenal of eco-friendly sustainable oil spill cleanup products resulting in his induction into the NASA spin-off Hall of Fame in 1996. Now, after 15 years stint as chief scientist for a multinational company involved with large-scale bioremedial projects, he decided to return to academia and continue his research. Dr. Resnick was nominated by colleagues in 2013 and 2014 for consideration for both the Tyler Prize for Environmental Achievement and was shortlisted as a semi-finalist for the St. Andrews Prize for the Environment. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, you have a substantial following over here in my part of the of the world in uh, beautiful uh, North Carolina, uh, Central North Central North Carolina. You've got a lot of people following you, and a lot of my friends out on the West Coast as well. So, I'd like to say hi to uh, your listening audience, and and I'm ready to uh, have a have an exciting discussion with you today, Bob. And thank you for the kind introduction. It is a pleasure. Let's um, let's start off by. Can you just give your listeners a brief description of your background? Certainly, Bob. Uh, my experience in, in working on these various projects goes back oh, 30-some years, um, and my affiliation with NASA started when I was in the med school at University of Pittsburgh, and I was tapped to develop a product uh, called Indie-Ear Talk-Through Hearing Protection Device. Well, that was a device that essentially discriminates voiced from non-voiced sounds, and that's when I was in my first year of med school at Pitt in 1983. I was 24 years old at the time and I thought I was burning up the world. Anyhow, I sold the rights to that first invention that later went on to become what you know today as the miracle ear. And I sold it for just a little bit of money, it wasn't a whole lot of money, 340,000 bucks, but I was a 24-year-old kid at the time in, in college yeah. and just had a baby. We had just had a new baby, and 340000 bucks was a lot of money. But at that time, again, I didn't have an MBA and didn't know about things. And you had, you had mentioned in, in the uh, introduction about having some business savvy. Well, when I sold the rights to my first invention, I didn't know about things. I did not have an MBA. I have one now. But I didn't know about things like overriding royalties, performance clauses, what-if clauses, 
and what happens if you don't do this or I don't do this, but I know those things now. So those are all integral to uh, having, uh, as you mentioned, you can have the best product in the world, but if, you're not, if you can't market it properly and can't protect it, well, you're done. Yeah, that's true. You know, to go back, I have a, a history of working with NASA and major corporations uh, on our website, rmanco.com. There's a list of vendors that I've worked with, and I've uh, and those those uh, vendors and different corporations have given me permission to list them. So I have a history going back uh, over 30 years of not only working with NASA but multinational corporations, governments, clients, different agencies. <clears throat> including, you know, my, my feature work with NASA to uh, develop components for the space program, for the shuttle fleet. I developed the fueling systems, the onboard recovery systems that are used in um, the waste elimination systems in spacesuits for ILC Dover. I had a display of seven of my inventions at the Space Center, at Kennedy Space Center from 1985 through 1996 in the Galaxy Arcade, so if any of your listeners went to the Galaxy Arcade and saw the moon rocks, they walked right past my displays, which were on either side of the moon rock. They used to be able to go into the Galaxy Arcade, and central in the arcade was the moon rock exhibition, this massive chunk of moon rock that was brought back from the moon. Well, my display cases were on either side of the moon rocks. So uh, my experience goes back 35 years. Uh, where I became... Uh, actually proficient that led to my development of the stealth coatings uh, when I was uh, 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 doing my master's program as a, as a NASA scholar. NASA tapped me on the shoulder and, and said essentially, hey Joe, uh, we're having a problem with coating, peeling and flaking on the stealth bombers. Could you help us with this project? And I said, well, yeah, I'm interested in that. So uh, they arranged for me to go to Florida and work at a private laboratory there while I was finishing my master's degree. <laughs> and at that time, we had, uh, we managed to, I managed to perfect my microencapsulation, uh, uh, my microencapsulation process that was actually being used on STS-41 and STS-43, those are the Shuttle Transport yeah. Service missions, 41 and 43, where we actually made the first microspheres in space. So what I did, uh, and when you make microspheres in space, it's a lot different from trying to make a, a perfect sphere in a gravity environment that we have here on Earth. Right. But uh, make a long story short, what I was able to do was to take the technology that we developed on the space shuttle, reconfigure that, and make it so that we can use it on Earth to actually duplicate what we're able to do in a microgravity environment of space. Now, there's no such thing as zero gravity. There, there is microgravity. And using astrophysics in my process and my instrument, I don't call it a machine because there are no moving parts. And the only thing that moves in, in my process when I make these microcapsules is air and water. So, uh, and, and, and then I take advantage of and exploit the conditions of astrophysics, that being torque, uh, rotation, eddy currents, force, drag, uh, Van der Waals effects, things like that to produce these uh, microcapsules. And I, I produced um, different things. Uh, the, first, the first real product, uh, Bob, that with which I hit a home run was the oil spill cleanup technology I developed, first used to clean up uh, that massive spill at Valdez. Yeah. And... Uh, what I did was I used uh, beeswax, and inside beeswax, I placed a broth of indigenous ecotypes that actually break down hydrocarbons, uh, oil, in water. And uh, that went on to be very, very, very successful, and for uh, many years we were, we were successful. And, and in the course of doing that and having been successful with that first invention, that gave me a lot of free time to work on other projects and to develop other technologies, some of which uh, your, your listeners would know. Um, for example, the uh, my U.S. patent 6272781 uh, reactive body armor. That whole suite is an intelligence suite that goes into use with body armor, helmets, 
um, you know, countermeasure devices that are worn by our soldiers. Future, that's part of what's called future soldier systems in one of our divisions. Right. But uh, by and large, Bob, what happens with, with when you have a pioneer technology such as my microencapsulation technology, that positions you at a very unique point in time and space where you can literally move into and across a plethora of different fields and sciences and product lines. Uh, for example, the microencapsulation, I'm involved presently with companies, I can't tell you their names, but companies to develop new kinds of lipsticks that refresh themselves, uh, new types of bath and body washes that uh, deliver fragrances at intervals uh, that are not necessarily time release in one in one uh, configuration, it's time release. In another configuration, it's touch release. Right. Also, we, uh, we've developed uh, new products for the flavor industry where we have a chewing gum that releases a flavor, and that's in a capsule. If you're, some of your listeners undoubtedly have had chewing gum that has a has a flavor burst in it. Well, yep. that's one of our babies. That's one of my babies. But one... one uh, one of these, one project, Bob, leads into another. And then people will come to me with situations where they have a particular need uh, uh, to, that, that requires a, a special delivery system, micro, you know, something that's very small, that is protected from the environment and the elements, or things that can be injected into the human body. So I configure these microspheres. And, you know, we essentially deliver what needs to be delivered at the size that it needs to be delivered, whether it be on the nano scale, the micro scale, or the macro scale. So, uh, uh, more recently, I've become involved, uh, I was tapped on the shoulder uh, to get involved with encapsulating CBD oil for treatment in cancer patients, child cancer patients. Right. And I'm an old softie for kids, being a being a mason and having, you know, gone through that thing and raised a bunch of money for burnt and crippled children and, and been, having been a crier for the uh, variety clubs for 30 years and raised all kind of money for those situations. Uh, I was tapped on the shoulder uh, by a company that, that approached me and said, hey, can you encapsulate CBD oil? And I said, well, yeah, I believe I can. In fact, I had already done it. And I said, what's your project? So they started telling me about um, the medical research that they're involved with and some of their partners, and it's for uh, treatment of uh, childhood cancer. Oh, immediately, that's all I had to say. And I said, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. So, you know, I'm, I'm working that initiative right now. Um, Maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Am I answering too much? In, no, in the I, first? I've, got, I've got a question, though. How, yeah. how, does, how does your mind work where somebody says to you, um, we have an oil spill and we need uh-huh. to clean it up. And you sit there uh-huh. and think, oh, beeswax. I mean, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be too much of a correlation to me. How do, how do you no. jump that gap? That's, no, that's a good question. And I can tell you how I came up with it. And this, and the, the way that I, I, I literally stumbled upon beeswax. I'm a beekeeper from way, way back. I'm, I belong to the Beekeepers Association state level here, North Carolina, the national, and uh, Watauga County and Caldwell County Beekeepers Association. I've been a beekeeper all my life. My grandpa taught me about bees. But I was on my back porch when this uh, this uh, thing with uh, Valdez had happened, and I was trying to find a substance, <clears throat> a substance that I could use to uh, to treat this oil spill. And there were two criteria. The criteria were it had to be uh, oleophilic, which means it's, uh, it would cling to a fat and spilled oil is a fat, but it had to be hydrophobic, which means it, it repels water. So I happened to be having breakfast on my back porch in Pennsylvania. I still have a big home in Pennsylvania. And a honeybee landed on my plate and started eating my jelly. And I started thinking, okay, bees, 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 honeybees, bees, beeswax. Well, I got some beeswax, and I started investigating the properties of beeswax. Well, Bob, that was 40 years ago, and I'm still studying beeswax today okay. because I'm 
more and more uses. Every time I look at it, I'm just finding, and I've, I've written papers and published papers on this, where I call it God's perfect molecule, because it really is. It's, it's incorruptible. This beeswax, uh, you know, beeswax has been found in King Tut's grave, and it's in the honey jars. Are, it's still edible. 3,000 years. Wow. So this is molecule. And, and when I use it to clean up oil spills, again, it has those two properties. It's oleophilic and, hum- and uh, hydrophobic. In other words, I could put organisms inside this wax and present it to the spilled oil, and it clings to the oil and stops the migration of the spill. That's very important. In terms of release of free product in land or in water, you want to stop the spill from migrating as quickly as possible so you can either clean it up manually or clean it up with bugs or however, whatever the method's going to be. But that was the breakthrough that I made in discovering that this molecule was ideal. Plus, it's renewable. You know, the bees are constantly making it. And our further studies, when I did my mesocosm studies at NETAC and with the U.S. Department of of the Coast Guard and the uh, Department of Agriculture, we found out that not only does it have those oil spill cleanup properties, but when it was done working, it became fodder for the the secondary and, and tertiary producers in the food chain, which meant once you put it on and it cleans the spill, you don't have to clean it up that the, the uh, ecotypes come along and use it for protein and nutrient. So there was the perfect method to clean up, and very inexpensive. For example, to clean up one acre, it's about $400 to, to apply this our material on one acre. Now, if you take a conventional cleanup where you bring in men and skimmers and stuff, it's about $150,000 an acre. Wow. We do it for like... Yeah, with my product, you spray it on and walk away and come back in two weeks. It's all gone. Go ahead, do your tests, do your VOC tests and all that. The stuff's gone. So it it was quite, it's quite, and, you know, my patent has, actually my patent expired about a year and a half ago, but that was one of the reasons I went to Malaysia to study the stingless bee. There there is such a thing as a stingless bee called melopines, and they produce a substance that, that is similar to the substance that I, I claimed a, a number of different claims in my initial patents. Um, they make a substance that's better. So that that was one of the real reasons I went to uh, Malaysia was to work on this new oil spill cleanup product and to develop uh, food for bees that uh, the bees could use during monsoon and winter. But, uh, you know, I was able to do all that stuff. And we're back in the United States now. and. We, we formed a new company called Carolina Bee Food Company, and, and uh, we have different kinds of bee food to help the bees, and we have a LTIP, which is a low toxicity uh, environmental uh, protection product that actually treats hives for nosema, uh, for trachea and varroa mites, and it's, it's made out of beeswax. Beeswax and essential oils that are non-polluting, there are no chemicals, there's nothing in there that hurts the environment. It's all recyclable. We use all non, you know, non-GMO. Uh, we use organic certified stuff for our product. I'm, I'm a big environmentalist, and I've been successful. I've been, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of success, and I've had a lot of help too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. As you mentioned in the introduction, you can't do this alone. But if you don't have your marketing down, you know, and sooner or later, you know, you've got to trust people. You've got to bring people in and to help you, but um, you know, there, there are rewards for, for doing that. In, in, you know, in several of my companies, I've made uh, a total in the different companies I've owned since, I want to say, 1988. I've made over 60 millionaires have come out of my companies. Many of the things, in all honesty, that I've invented have touched your life, whether you know it or not, and the lives of your listeners, all the way from stealth technology to see-through-the-wall to electronic circuits in your cars. Um, I hold uh, 28 issued patents, 12 of them are classified. The, the, the uh, 16 that I can talk about, I can talk about them. The other ones I can't talk about. So what are the major, yeah. what are the major um, projects you're working on at the moment? I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing uh, primarily on the CBD. As I mentioned earlier, yeah. we just got... We just put an agreement in place with a company called uh, Oregon Fair Trade Cannabis. 
uh, and I've committed to do, do a project with them and to uh, scale up and create a micro-encapsulation uh, facility out there in Portland, in the greater Portland area. We'll probably have one in the Klamath Valley too, Klamath Valley in Oregon. Uh, Oregon is one of the states that uh, permits production of cannabis. And what I'm planning to do out there, in addition to encapsulating the CBD, which is the you know non-hallucinogenic um, component in cannabis, uh, I plan to uh, create a whole new species of encapsulated bee food that I'm going to feed to my own bees to produce happy honey. Now, when I say happy honey, I mean the honey. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> I know some 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 manufacturers right now are just starting to produce a honey that ha that has been infused with uh, the THC, which is yes. the alkaloid, yes. the hallucinogenic component. Me, uh -uh, I don't believe in that. See, when, when they do that, they, at some point in their process, whenever they put the, the uh, THC into their honey product, they've had to use it ethanol. So it's not 100% pure. Right. I'm, I'm big on purity. Nothing touches my bees, nothing touches my products except the bees. Man does not touch it. When man, man touches something, he, he messes it up every time. Let it to the bees. So what, part of what my plan uh, out there will, and what we'll be doing is, in addition to contract encapsulation uh, for CBD producers, you know, worldwide, they'll be sending their oils to us and their propolis to us for processing. In, our, uh, in a separate facility, we call them a new business units, uh, MBEs yeah. we call them, new business centers. So we plan to have at least 12 of those for the different products that we're bringing into the joint venture between uh, Jason Miller uh, and his group. It's, uh, Jason Miller is the president of uh, the uh, Oregon Fair Trade uh, Cannabis. And then uh, I had the pleasure to meet their CEO, who's a young fellow by the name of... Uh, uh, Emmett McGregor. Emmett's just a real, real sh smart guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a 27-year-old kid. Reminds me a lot of me. That's why I like him and decided, yeah, I can work with these guys. Real smart kid. His area of expertise is chemistry and, and um, distillation. So I saw, after I spoke with him for an hour or so, I saw that there was real possibility for marrying his technology with my microencapsulation technology and that the result of that marriage would be uh, to capture a large part of the microencapsulation and processing industry in this in this uh, brand new infant in this industry that's in its infancy. Literally, you know, in the United States, there's only I think six or seven states that have uh, that allow marijuana use and medical marijuana. But uh, when I talked with Emmett and picked his brain and. He said all the right words, and I decided, I got with our people, our board of directors, and said, you know, I think we ought to do this with these people. So, essentially, that's where we are right now, Bob. We're, we're moving forward and just, uh, you know, putting the paperwork into place. And, of course, we're going to be out, they're going to be uh, uh, the marketing people and, and the administration guys from the new joint venture. They'll be out shaking the money tree and doing all that stuff. I generally don't get involved in that. I, I will go and, you know, help with road shows and talk and talk about the technology and stuff, but um, I, I'm, I'm strictly a scientist now. Here's, this, this is about me. If you, I, I like to work in my laboratory, and I'm too old to be taught new ways. Right. And I like to work with my projects. If you just slide a bone under the door every three days, I'll be okay. So I like to do my work, do my projects, but I don't like to get involved in the administration end of it. There are other people that handle the sales and marketing and packaging and all that stuff. Me, I'm, my function is strictly to bring you new products and to validate and put the science behind these new products. So that, that's essentially what, what I'm going to be doing here, at least for the next three years, the initial contract is three years. Of course, we have other uh, ongoing businesses here in North Carolina with the North Carolina Bee Food Company, and we have a working affiliation with the folks up in Raleigh at the uh, university up there. So we've got some projects going on with um, some large multinational companies for some new cosmetics and nutraceuticals. So, you know, uh, that end of the business will handle here in North Carolina at our facility here. 
But uh, we are, you know, making the jump to hyperspace, as it were, with the new facility out there in, in Oregon. And we'll probably go into other states because as I talk to you uh, and more information gets out about our expertise in terms of handling the microencapsulation of the CBD using our unique process that doesn't involve any of that complicated stuff like phased pulse or coacerbation or any of that, that kind of t really costly stuff. Uh, yeah, and my, my uh, LinkedIn account is being overwhelmed with inquiries and requests for calls and meetings and stuff, so I'm, I'm sort of keeping a low profile. But essentially, that's, that's what I have planned for uh, the immediate future, Bob, in the next three years. What do you think of the DEA's decision this morning to um, um, affirm its uh, prohibition on medical marijuana? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, we and our group anticipate, in fact, we've been discussing it for some weeks now. We anticipated as much given the current uh, political situation that's happening now uh, with, you know, with, with us having a lame duck president. But I think, that, you know, the president has, has uh, pretty much left the door open so that what we do and what we're planning to do, you know, in the not too distant future in terms of the medical research end of it, the president has left that wide open, and I think that's great. I think I think he did that good. But in in terms of the DEA, we, we anticipated that they they weren't going to you know reclassify that or give it a, a different uh, designation, you know, to make it a class two instead of the class one that it's in now or or the phase class one, one. Yeah. Was, was class one. But we anticipated that. Not much we can do about it, but. But I think that after there's a change in administration, one way or the other, I think that's going to change. I mean, you, it's, you know, Bob, if you just look what's happening, it, um, marijuana, medical marijuana and recreational use of marijuana has been boomed for the states in which, you know, that's been permitted. It's, you know, resulted in creation of jobs, bolstering local economies at the grassroots level. And I don't see how you're going to stop that, chiefly because the people want it. You know, we've got the baby boomers now are, are going out, and you've got these millennials. The millennials want it, and the millennials are going to rule. I mean, they're, they're you know, on their way, you know, the 28 years old and the 25 sure. years old and the 30 years old. They're on their way to taking over everything, so they want it, and it, it's going to happen. Well, over in China, we're going to grow stevia honey. So now, the stevia honey is a new class of honey that I designed to, to benefit persons with... Uh, diabetes type 1 and type 2. See, people with diabetes, uh, their doctors, it's not good for them to have the fructose and sucrose in the levels that commonly found in honey. Right. So, what we've done, and we did this in our studies in Malaysia and in Borneo over the last year, was to uh, create, we cre I created a new kind of bee food, and I replaced those heavy starches and all that bad sugar with stevia which is the plant sweetener. So the result of, and I fed it to the bees, the bees of course took that into the beehive and assimilated that, and the result was alteration and lowering of the glycemic index, which means the yes. sweetness and sugar, uh, the, the sugar index in honey, such that I created a, healthy honey, a healthier honey. So that's part of what we're gonna be doing out in, in uh, Oregon, and to you know, continue our studies here in North Carolina, to produce these different types of honey. In fact, here, let me throw this in. Last week I created a new product, just I had some extra time, I was waiting on a part from my machine, and um, a friend of mine had asked me if I could encapsulate whiskey. So, uh, Joy and I went to the local place here and we got two pints of uh, Jim Beam honey whiskey. And we took it back to the laboratory and we processed it through the machine and we actually made encapsulated whiskey that pours just like sugar. And we call it, well, I'm one of these guys, I like to come up with names. I, I named it Booze Chews, B-O-O-Z-E and Chews, C-H-E-W-S. Because you put this stuff in your mouth and you chew it, it's, it's almost reminiscent of like when you were a kid and you would buy these little wax things that had had uh, syrup or something inside yeah, of them. Yeah. Like on Halloween, you'd buy those. It's it's like that. You put it in your mouth and chew this stuff, but it's got the booze in it. It's got the whiskey in it. It's a, That's going to be a cool product. 
I don't know, maybe I'll license it or offer. Maybe we'll go into production ourselves. But there's a lot of benefits to something like that. In first first place, you know, shipping and storage, and uh, you cut down on use of plastics and and glass and stuff. You can put this stuff in in paper like um, like sugar packets, and it never spoils. You don't have to refrigerate it, and uh, you know, shelf life uh, three thousand years according to. Uh, according to what they found in King Tut's grave. So, but uh, that's what I have going on for the immediate future and, you know, where I see things going. Joe, we're just about out of time. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It's been a great discussion. I've enjoyed it. And you can thank learn you, Bob. more about Joe Resnick by going to R Manco. That's R. M-A-N-N-C-O dot com. R-M-A-N-N-C-O dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network right after this short break. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Business Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. This week, broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. Now, Mark Zuckerberg says that a good CEO should take risks, but shouldn't do big, crazy things too often. He says if a company's stagnant and doesn't make changes, then it's guaranteed to fail. In fact, in a world that's changing so quickly, the biggest risk you can take is not taking a risk. Excuse me. CEOs shouldn't feel like they need to make big product changes often. That's because it's a sign to the community that the company wasn't forward thinking enough, wasn't listening to its community, and it wasn't evolving as it should have been. (coughs) Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. He uses Facebook's $2 billion acquisition of Oculus as an example. Ideally, Facebook wouldn't have needed to acquire Oculus for $2 billion because it would have already had the right talent inside Facebook. But making big moves when necessary is better than being too proud to make changes. Zuckerberg said if they'd done a better job of building up some of the expertise to do some of that stuff internally then maybe he wouldn't have had to buy them. But since the Oculus team is by far the most talented team in the business, it made sense to go make this big move. Zuckerberg said, when stuff is working well, you're learning incrementally and growing that way. For any given decision that you're going to make, there's an upside and there's a downside. But in aggregate... I'm having trouble speaking today. Must have been a couple of bourbons I had before I came on air. But in aggregate, if you're stagnant and you don't make up those changes, then I think you're guaranteed to fail and not catch up. So to some degree, I think it's really right that over time, the biggest risk that you can take is not to take any risks. Now, Pizza Hut's thinking outside the box, or rather inside the box, by introducing a great new gimmick. I think this is fantastic. The world's first playable DJ pizza box. The box has functional decks complete with a mixer and controls that you touch to control and scratch your music. The way it works is that the somewhat greasy box, complete with bits of pepperoni and olive, connects to your laptop or your smartphone wirelessly through Bluetooth So after you devour your pizza with friends, you can start 
dropping the beat, spinning the songs any way that you'd like. So printed electronics expert Novalia created it. It's simple enough for a novice to play around with and create some Pizza Hut branded mixes for your pizza party. It's really unbelievable when you see it. It's printed electronics on the box. And at Navalia, any printed item can be enabled with interactivity, bringing it to life, and they call it interactive printed media. It is so cool. The innovation is in the integration. A range of converting techniques are used to integrate print with the electronics, and it becomes interactive, incorporating sensors, displays, lights, speakers, printed batteries, and communication devices. It is fantastic. At the moment, it's only available 350 of the UK's Pizza Huts, but um, this fantastic product confirms that we're living in a technologically advanced cardboard time, and it's $7.99. How cool is that? Now, Fast Brick Robotics is a company listed on the Stock Exchange in Australia. It's created a robot bricklayer, a form of 3D printing which can create the shell of a house without being touched by human hands. The Hadrian 105 robot has hit a bricklaying speed of 225 standard bricks equivalents an hour, or about half a day's work for a top human bricklayer. To prove it, the company released a time-lapse video showing the robot at work laying oversized bricks following a laser-guided system. So um, the company started the next prototype, Adrian 10, which can lay a 1,000 standard bricks an hour, and uh, everything being delivered to the building site in the back of a truck. So Fastbrick is a frontier technology company bring, bringing fully automated end-to-end 3D printing brick construction into the mainstream. A new business tool that can help uh, businesses get better reviews. Now, we all know that better reviews is the key. We must get good testimonials because everybody now goes to the web and checks out references and testimonials. So if yours are lousy, you won't get work. If you've got some bad ones up near the top, that's not going to do you any good. But this new business tool, it's fantastic. It's called Better Reviews, and you can find it on betterreviews.com. And it pushes out your negative reviews, takes all your positive reviews, and spreads them out across a across a wide range of social platforms. And, of course, every time it puts up a good review, it pushes down a bad one. And you end up with a whole bunch of really great reviews. Very easy to do. It's done on one simple app, and you do it when the customer um, is leaving your restaurant or your store. You just ask them for 10 seconds of their time. Bing, bang, bing. In it goes, and it goes instantly out across all of the social platforms. It's a fantastic idea. And next time someone goes and wants to look up a restaurant or a dry cleaner or whatever the hell it is, you're going to be one with a whole truckload of really good reviews. More importantly, it um, dramatically increases your Google status, pushes you up the Google chain. So it's a really great, great business tool. And I recommend to everybody to use. It's called betterreviews.com. I'm going to see you again next week. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope and if you're not living right on the edge, kicking the hell out of the world, you know, bite off more than you can chew and then chew like hell. It's the only way to live. If you want to be a passive observer, go ahead rot your miserable life away but if you want to go and have fun and you want a chance of succeeding you've got to really push it you know it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary and don't forget if you're not learning someone somewhere else is and when the two of you meet if they know more than you do they will win now we all work far too hard for anybody else to win. So make sure that you really push the envelope. And if you're not prepared to do that, just get out of the bloody way. Let somebody who wants to succeed, succeed. So I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com. 
enrol for my daily newsletter. It takes 30 seconds to read and I'll keep you up to date with all the business news that's important. We get great testimonials every day from people who get it. And next week, I am in Los Angeles. I'm away a fair bit over the next month and a half, but next week, I will again broadcast from my studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.